Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with you. In May, my College to Career Academy will hold a series of live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs and careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp, and then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live, and it's led by me over Zoom, and you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Michael Dickinson. I would love for us to kick off our conversation today, Michael, with a high-level overview of something else that's very concentrated, and that is the different types of mental health practitioners that exist because they really run the gamut. Who are they? I know, obviously, there are the clinical psychologists like you, but What are the other sort of shapes and sizes of mental health practitioners? Um, Well, where do we where do we start? There really are quite a few. So at least in Portugal, if if you've got the basic degree as a clinical psychologist, you can then become a specialist as a psychotherapist, which is another five years of studying or even become a psychoanalyst. But that can go on for considerably longer. Then you've got um, cognitive Cognitive behavioral psychologists, uh, also psychotherapists, those would be your averagely referred to as short-term psychologists, people who will focus more on a symptom, a short-term resolution of an issue can go on for six sessions, eight sessions, 12 sessions. What I do is more of a psychodynamic approach. It can go on for just a few short months. It can go on for several years. It's somewhat flexible according to, to the situation. You've also got educational psychologists, the psychologists who go into schools to just basically be available to, to deal with whatever comes along. It's not a rigid setting. Uh, you have community psychologists, people who will then form teams and go into certain communities to establish what needs are there, how, how to go about it. And then unfortunately, there is a mix-up 
these days that, that has been happening more and more, which is coaching. A lot of people, a lot of coaches uh, will sell themselves off as being mental health practitioners. And they're, they're just not. It's two different things. A coach is somebody who trains you. This is where the word comes from. And so if you want to train to achieve a certain goal, that's, that's great. You, you get a coach, you get somebody who's good in that field. Uh, you want to learn to invest, you want to learn to, to do sports, you want to do something like that. Great, get a coach. But somewhere along the line, the idea of a life coach came along. And the problem here is that I'm not saying you won't get good practitioners in this field, but there is no centralized degree in this field. You can have folks who studied for three weekends, six months, others maybe a few years, but it's nothing in comparison to five years for a basic course and then another several years for a specialization from somebody else. And unfortunately, when you go on social media looking for reference to, to mental health, you'll find 10 coaches for everyone tackled. And they all sound the same to somebody who's not in the field. But then when you start digging into it, you realize, yeah, it's not quite. And as a rule of thumb, if you want to know what to look for as an alarm bell, if you're following somebody who's advertising themselves as a mental health practitioner, and all they do is say, in my personal case, this and this happens. So now I teach people according to this one experience I had. Red light, huge, huge, massive red light. Stay away. So what do you do as a clinical okay. psychologist, Michael? Yes, I was getting a bit sidetracked there. What I do, so it's a bit difficult to put into precise description, but uh, let's take it from the top. So I'll have somebody come to me for whatever issue, anxieties, depressions, and et cetera. And I'll first help them to just tell their story, just tell how they got to where they are. And this will be the, my first three sessions, just listening to a person tell their story. And sometimes they'll tell, okay, this, this, and that happened, that's it. Okay, that's the first draft. Now let's go to the second draft and the third draft and the fourth draft and have the person tell the story with as much detail as possible to just understand what led to what. And then while they're telling the story, I'll help them pinpoint some key events that are hiding in plain sight just to see how they feel about that, if it makes sense to connect the dots in this particular way. And that is just the starting point. That is where the person will start to think, oh, hang on there might be a different way of looking at this. This might not be as straightforward as I thought. Maybe that particular trauma I had as a kid doesn't lead as directly to this problem as I thought it did. Maybe it was all the stuff that was happening around that that's more important or whatever else. So what I do is, okay, so from my side, what I'm seeing is the person tells me the story, how they tell it, what they're telling, the specific symptoms that they're going through and particular way in which they experience those symptoms will then put me in a frame mind of identifying the, the psychopathology, whether it's this type of personality, whether it's a high-functioning, high low-functioning medium, and whether it's more histrionic, whether it's more neurotic. whether So that, that's the theoretical side. That's where I'll quickly place the person in my own understanding. But this isn't something I'll feed back because I'm not interested in having somebody get stuck to a label, get stuck to the idea that they might be borderline, they might be bipolar, they might be whatever. It doesn't matter. They might be that now, but I want them to be something else in the future. So let's just forget about labels. So that's what I do. While they're telling the story, I'm mapping. I'm mapping to understand how they fit into the general outlines of a psychopathology. And then I start breaking it down because nobody is rigidly this psychopathology or that one. Everybody is a bit of a mix of all of them. And my task is to start understanding which particular ones connect and where and which one which ones are causing them pain? Because you might have somebody who has, for example, OCD, but they're very happy about it because it works great. They're in banking. Yay. I've got to touch that one. Leave it alone. They're happy with it. I want to find the ones that are causing pain. 
and why they're causing pain, how they were constructed, who were they constructed in reference to? Was it to regarding a complicated mother, a complicated father, a complicated brother? And this is what I do. I look for the patterns. I try to find the patterns that connect all of these dots and then break it down into the most simple language possible to then ask the person specific questions to get them to start thinking about particular aspects. There is no point at all in taking this mass of information, processing it, and then just returning it to the person like, okay, this is your diagnosis. This is, this is what I've mapped out. You probably won't understand 90% of what I've just said, but hey, be happy. That wouldn't help anybody. So as I hear your two small children in the background, your one-year-old and your three-year-old, it's making me think, Michael, about our childhoods. Mm -hmm. And what percentage of patients you see have issues that go back to their childhoods? 99%. It's impossible to extricate the two. It might not be that there was an issue in the childhood. But the way the childhood was formulated was what made them vulnerable to whatever experiences or lack of experiences of that matter that came along later in adolescence or even adult years. Whenever somebody comes along and says, oh, I have a fantastic relationship with my parents. Okay, what do you call fantastic? And normally it's not quite as cheery as they'd like to present it. If you think about it, if you think about your own life, or if anybody thinks about their own life, is the relationship with father or mother, perfect. It's not possible. It's just not possible in human nature to have a perfect relationship, to have one in which everything is fine. So if you meet somebody who says, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What are you hiding? What's, what's too painful to talk about? So yeah, 99% of everything will tie into childhood. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.